Ladies and gentlemen, welcome wrestling fans worldwide to Knoxville and the Great Smoky Mountains for the Ron Fuller Tennessee Studcast. Six feet nine inches tall, 265 pounds. This historic podcast from one of the most respected and successful wrestlers and promoters will follow the footsteps of the largest and oldest wrestling family on the planet. Listen to what I'm saying. That's right. Bring that camera in here a little bit closer. Through 93 years and four generations. The stud has arrived. Old school or new fan, this unique broadcast will educate and captivate as Ron details decades of professional wrestling's growth with truly unforgettable stories. I want those people out there at home to hear the stud. Sit back and enjoy the ride with the Tennessee stud. The Tennessee stud. You will learn that name, you will remember it. And now, the stud is here. Hey y'all, let's get old school. Welcome in everybody, it's David Summers hosting another stud cast with the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller. It is the story of wrestling in America as told by the Tennessee stud, whose family started the profession 100 years ago. Let's step back into the ring, back into time, into the Great Smoky Mountains, with the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller. What's up, my man, Ron? Jeez, man, uh, just happy to be here, Dave. Uh, got the sun shining again a little bit. And, uh, yep, just uh, life is life is a real trip, man. And a real, <laughs> I really, really enjoying myself up here. Uh, got another snow, or, snow since the last one. And, you know, so uh, just kind of getting used to the mountains, man. Uh, first time I ever lived in the actual Smokies itself. And, uh, Wow, it's gorgeous, man, especially when it snows. Okay, before the snow, did you run to the store and stock up on all of the milk, all of the bread? How many loaves of bread do you have in the house? Oh, geez, man. <laughs> Got plenty, I can tell you that. You know, and then when you go to the store, man, the, uh, the day of the storm or the day before, uh, it's, not a, it's not a quick trip. Oh, uh, right, yeah. Yeah, because everything's iced up. And listen, I can imagine if you're you're going to the store, you're going up and down mountains to get there. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. There's a there's a few uh, pretty substantial hills at the very least. Yeah, with some here. big curves. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's but it's great, man. Uh, I'm really enjoying it here. So it's awesome. really really beautiful. Fantastic. All right, so we're getting some some decent weather. Really beautiful and sunny here today. Although it's, it's staying cold in Southeast Alabama. Okay, so look, I want let's start. Let's start with how last week's studcast ended. Because it was kind of crazy, you have to admit. Your brother Robert won. He won the hair versus hair match with Ron Wright. It was January of 1978, and he got, pardon the pun, Rob got robbed of his own hair. So I've been thinking, <laughs> yeah. So I've been thinking about that match this week. He won the match, yet he's the one that left with no hair. So how how I would feel if I won the match? as important as that one and then and then i get violated they take my beautiful hair off my head and listen rob had a wonderful head of hair from uh, i can say that in, in a manly man kind of way yeah i mean uh yeah rob uh, rob certainly did and uh wow yeah i mean this angle's a this angle is just a Wow, and uh, and I'm that's that's what I really like, man, about doing these studcast days. I mean, each episode uh, recalls a 
a big southeastern Knoxville card, and it talks, you know, I've got the TV formats, and I look back at the formats, I see the card, <laughs> and, uh, you know, these weekly cards that I'm looking at, are, right now, they're 44 years ago, but wow, they bring back these tremendous memories, man, and, and I recall so many things that I had really forgotten, and I'll be honest with you, until last week, I'd totally forgotten about this angle and this match, and, uh, this kind of, uh, we were already doing good business, big business, but <laughs> it just kind of lit it up, man. And, uh, you know, we, we were kind of always doing things differently in Southeastern and most other territories around the country, especially back in 1978. Mm -hmm. And uh, from our state-of-the-art TV production, we had really had a hell of a TV production. We had a lot of diverse talent. Man, and, I, and diverse is a pretty good word, uh, you know, from Shola Duke and the Mongolian, mm -hmm. Stomper, Ronnie Garvin. I mean, uh, wow, we had a whole lot of different type of guys. And we had this unique uh, style of uh, angles that we were doing that were, you know, it just seemed like we were constantly breaking ground back in those days in 1978. So this unique angle, man, where Rob won the hair match, but he still lost his curls, you know? <laughs> yeah. It had the fans uh, and the crowd jumping in the ring, man. I mean, literally jumping in the ring, trying to help him, uh, you know? And it, and this particular match caused one of the biggest riots in Southeastern history. Uh, the heat created by this angle was like pouring gasoline on a territory, <laughs> which was already on fire. It exploded <laughs> business. Is what wow. <laughs> so, so this whole thing started in what I call the make a deal with the devil angle, you know, and, uh, and I always hated, uh, you know, and, and, and Don Carson was just extremely hated by fans in the <laughs> Southeast. And all of a sudden Don Carson returned to Southeastern and, uh, and then right away he's teaming up with another guy that's just despised by the fans, the assassin who had been gone for quite a while. Mm -hmm. And, uh, then all the, I mean, like uh, immediately these two started creating Havoc Man Weekly, man, and talking on the TV several weeks about making a deal with the devil. And then, you know, I'm sure fans were going, who's the devil? You know, yeah, and then, right. uh, wow. And the devil happened to be the perfect heel. Maybe the best heel in Tennessee history, Ron Wright, was the <laughs> devil. <laughs> You know, and I mean, uh, you know, and then and the three of them secretly and successfully, man, conspired to get rid of first Bob Armstrong, which they did. Loser leave town match. They all got involved in it. Uh, they screwed him and he had to leave. And the three weeks later, they did the same thing to me. And uh, both of us were robbed by the same trio of guys, man, <laughs> in loser leave Southeastern matches. And then suddenly for Southeastern fans, two Two top baby faces were gone. Uh, compliments of those guys. Mm -hmm. So obviously that turned up the heat on them, man. Uh, but it was only the beginning. Uh, they quickly captured the Southeastern tag belts. You know, once they got together as a team, uh, Ron Wright wasn't even with them until the, until they got ready to capture the belts. And he showed up as the manager and they got the belts the first time they went for them. And then came the Robert Fuller and the Ron Wright hair versus hair match. Man. Right. And right. Uh, last stud cast, we, we, we talked quite a bit about it and we're going to really, really get into it today. Uh, and that match is, was destined man to make those three heels legendary. 
Listen, and Rob was a good-looking kid. How old was Rob at this time? Oh, geez, uh, 26, probably 27. Who was yeah. – maybe Bob, Maybe it was Bob Armstrong. Who was the favorite baby face of all? Was it Bob? Was it Robert? How Or how far down the line would Robert have been as being the, close to the top baby face? Oh, he, he was up there. I mean, you know, we had some great baby faces. We were really lucky, you know, and uh, and they all weren't pretty. Joel LaDuke, certainly. Yeah, right. Know, yeah. He wasn't in, in, in the good looks contest at yeah. all. But, uh, you know, we had all types of different baby faces. But, yeah, you know, Bob Armstrong was really, really hot. Man, mm -hmm. fans loved him. Uh, Rob yeah. they, Rob was loved by fans. He, he was just a nice kid, man. And uh, yeah. This this angle just really wow! It put Rob in a whole new light for fans. You said a while ago you had forgotten about this angle. I bet Rob had not forgotten about this angle. Oh, oh no, <laughs> never forget it. <laughs> All right, so uh, to me, it's kind of amazing for fans back in the day to be on the inside of these angles. Now in today's studcast, uh, Robert was bald. Was he? Was he completely yeah. bald? Yeah. Bald. Okay. Yeah. And then yeah. obviously yeah. Yeah, after that, he was totally committed to getting even and winning those Southeastern tag belts. So this stud cast, number 234, titled Robbed of His Hair, pun intended, is really, that kind of makes it special to me. I can only imagine how great it would be to actually see this TV show from 1978 that you're going to be describing today. So, I mean, talk about a Southeastern rewind, Ron. That would... Wow, what do you what do you think about that? That would oh, be wow. if yeah, you could man, get your hands I, you know, on that. I, I'd give anything, man. Yeah, to have yeah. all of those, not just that show from yeah. Southeastern Knoxville, uh, but all those shows from 1975. Once we went on WBIR and we had that that kicking and fantastic production uh, and all the stuff that we were doing uh, from 75 to 79. I'd give anything to have the, all, all these shows. And uh, and uh, we've got one of them right now, though. It is on Southeastern Rewind on the YouTube channel. And uh, it's from 1978, from the same year that we're talking about. It mm. happens in the summer, and we're in the in the winter of that year. Right. Uh, and, and it's an extremely rare one from Southeastern Knoxville. And, uh, and fans see that on the, on Rewind, on Southeastern Rewind at the uh, 78, the Southeastern show. Mm -hmm. It's going to really give them the idea uh, of, of what I'm, what I try to describe for them here each week. Yeah. I mean, it's, I love trying to describe it, but why it's nothing like what the real thing was. Right. So luckily, uh, you know, we do have all the TV shows from the first Continental TV in 1985 all the way through the USA wrestling shows in 1988. So, and they're not all on this on the YouTube channel yet, but they will be. So, mm. so we add two new ones each week, uh, as you're aware of, and those great USA TV shows, they're about to end. Uh, because I had sold Southeastern Wrestling uh, after only 23 weeks of operation in 1988, and uh, I was leaving wrestling for good. I was retiring from the sport. So are you? So you're down to like the last? How many? How many? How many TV shows did you have from USA? Uh, 23 and number 23 is on there now. That, okay, that's what I, I knew. You were getting close, and I, I maybe 20 or 21 is the last one I saw. So I got some catching up to do. And I knew uh, time was running out on that. Listen, all of those are great. All of them. And it, so I'm sad to see that the USA, this TV series, only got, like, as I said, two or three to go. 
it's ending for Southeastern Rewind, but it, it will stay there. It'll be in the archives. It's a part of the library. So if anybody has it, it's a great opportunity to go back and check it out. The last one is on there. You're, okay, so you're saying it's on there now and a really special one. Explain that one and why it's so special. What's up with the last one? Well, the last one, man, uh, it's never been shown anywhere on YouTube. And you're, you're talking about number 20, the number, number 23. 23, number 23, the gotcha. very last okay. USA TV. It was only shown in one of the five markets that were airing the show in Knoxville itself. And, uh, it's a, so basically it's a worldwide debut of that show. Uh, fans will see that it's never been shown anywhere on YouTube. And, uh, and it was basically the transition TV show from USA wrestling back to continental because I had sold the USA show to David Woods who owned the television station in Montgomery, Alabama. He had bought continental. I sold him USA because he wanted to buy it, uh, because it was pretty much catching on fire. It was really, uh, a hot little, uh, company and so uh, you know that that this very unusual tv show man it it made a beautifully smooth transition from one territory to another so that's the reason we made this last program and only was shown in the knoxville market uh, it's pretty new unique show never been seen on youtube and you know uh it's a, it i think fans will really enjoy it so, you know, it, what had happened is it made it easier for fans to understand what was happening to their wrestling. I mean, it's kind of crazy when you go all of a sudden from from uh, USA Wrestling and then all of a sudden the next show that comes on is Continental. Yeah, yeah. And, and fans are like, wait, whoa, what, what happened here, you know? So I think this last USA episode uh, designed specifically to, to switch fans comfortably from one company to another mm -hmm. and from one group of wrestlers to another because obviously Continental had different wrestlers than USA had. Yeah. I, don't, I think this makes that show even better because I don't think it ever been done in anywhere in wrestling before. There never been a transition uh, show that uh, switched fans from one to the other. So the USA TV show was uh, soon replaced by the tremendous man. Now we're going to replace those USA TV shows by the original Southeastern TV shows from Pensacola there from the early 1980s up to uh, continental championship wrestling. Uh, so basically uh, fans now are going to transition here and it may take a couple of weeks before this happens, but uh, we'll show two continental shows a week if necessary until it does. But uh, the uh, USA shows are going to turn into this, the Southeastern shows of Pensacola that had all this tremendous talent, man, wow. over all the years from, from the early eighties, right up to 85 when Southeastern became continental championship wrestling fans are already seeing those shows. So the USA, you know, uh, USA show is going to be replaced by those those fantastic Southeastern shows. And, uh, and we're going to be adding a fantastic new uh, Continental TV show each week. We have been doing that already. And we're going to start adding uh, maybe two of them, as I said a second ago, until we start with those Southeastern TV shows. And once we start adding those, we'll be adding those for years uh, and uh, both the Continental and the Southeastern shows are going to be aired, aired as always in the exact order. Uh, if we can do it as best we can do it, uh, the exact order they were produced, man. So that's unusual too, that 
So right now, there's 36 continental shows already on uh, the Southeastern Rewind Channel and uh, and uh, Southeastern and the USA TV shows. 36 of them and all are already there. And uh, and gosh, man, they every time they go on now, man, they just explode in popularity. Wow, people love them. And I can't wait to add these Southeastern TV shows into that mix. And eventually, there are going to be hundreds of original Southeastern, Continental, and USA TV shows on that channel forever. I'll tell you what, that's pretty exciting. Every Sunday and Thursday, when a new TV show is added to Southeastern Rewind, and there are 36 studcasts on the channel, 36 on there now, 13 of which are the most recent the newest one is released every Wednesday. Now, we get it out on all of our podcasting platforms on Tuesday, but Wednesday it also shows up on Southeastern Rewind. All kinds of stud stories, and we're still working on those weekly, daily sometimes, straight from the horse's mouth, meaning you, of course, and a whole <laughs> lot. <laughs> You're the horse. I'm glad I'm 400 miles away. <laughs> no, that's all right, man. I like it a lot. And you if, you, uh, if you haven't subscribed, this is a great time. If you're just learning about it, and yeah, there are folks that, that have been looking for old school, looking for exactly this. You're not watching this. Uh, if, you're, if you're not there, you're not watching this historic old school YouTube channel. You need to saddle up now, and you're going to be really surprised. Subscribe now on YouTube, Southeastern Rewind. Ring the bell. We'll ring your bell every time something new is added. So it, it really is getting exciting, and it is so cool to be able to see it and follow the storyline. And I think that's the real kicker. And whoever you're working with behind the scenes to get these things in order, to me, it's clearly just amazing that they even exist, much less like a catalog in order. So I think that's fantastic, Stud. Well, you know, I, I, I tell you, the guy that does it, man, is a tremendous guy. Uh, his name is Bo James. He is a historian of wrestling, especially uh, Tennessee wrestling and the Southern wrestling. And, uh, wow, he's compiled a library of these, and thank goodness for him. He does a wonderful job, as you just said, yeah. in yeah. getting these suckers in order, which is that's really a difficult thing. Yep. But, uh, wow, uh, he, and he's great to work with, great guy. Indeed. So, all right, <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot. We just covered a lot. So today, I know you've got an exciting show today. Where do we ride today? Well, I have a feeling, Dave, this one's going to be, uh, you know, a lot of fun for us today. I mean, you know, and Pence, you know, back in today's training, uh, uh, we've been returning each week for the last few weeks here to the new southeastern Pensacola Territory uh, to continue the education of the fans on how territories were built, basically. Uh, that's why we call it today's training. And uh, last studcast, we got on that very important Mobile, Alabama, WKRG TV station. And we did not begin to air southeastern shows in Mobile until the territory opened, and that was going to be in the first week of March, 1978. Hard to believe, that's only six studcasts from now, Dave. We'll be talking about live shows in two different territories. <laughs> so, so this week's training, uh, we're, we're, going to, we're going to be discussing some of the wrestlers that I'm going to take down there 
for that first crew in southeastern Pensacola. You know, kind of how I pick them out, how I decide who's going to be there. And uh, and then after that, today's training, we're going to ride back north into southeastern Knoxville. We're going into the Coliseum, man, for a huge card on Sunday afternoon, January 22nd, 1978. Uh, one match in particular. Uh, following that hair versus hair match with Robert and Ron Wright from the last week's show uh, is going to surprise everybody, man. I think uh, this is this is going to be a great episode for fans. And again, like last week, this card has eight matches on it. Um, we'll keep adding matches because we're setting up to start another territory. And uh, we're going to break down the TV show promoting this card of January 22nd. Uh, we're going to talk about the results of all the matches on the card, and we're going to get the attendance. And then the learning tree uh, question for today, uh, uh, which you've passed along to me, is, uh, you know, how did you get your ideas that sold out buildings? Where did they come from? <laughs> I'm kind of looking forward to this one, Stud. So I guess we're going to be riding south from Knoxville. We get on Interstate 65 eventually to the southeastern Pensacola Territory to find some wrestlers. Are we on a wrestling uh, wrestler hunt? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, basically. That's what we were doing. That's what I was doing. Right. And it wasn't a we. It was all me. You know, and, uh, and that's a darn good guess. Uh, with almost every part of this southeastern Pensacola expansion day, I'm going to get a real learning lesson myself. You know, I, I had nobody to go to for advice on the talent down there. You know, and I had nobody to go to for advice on talent, period. So, uh, and this choice of the first crew is a critical choice, you know, I mean, it's going to make the difference in, are we going to make it or are we not going to make it? So, as I said earlier, uh, this was, to my knowledge, the first time one wrestling company had purchased another company or another territory, and they planned on running the new territory as a separate one. I think it's the first time it ever been done in wrestling. So I think a good place to start thinking about who was, who as wrestlers should have been in that first crew to build a new territory uh, was to maybe take a look at what shape the territory was in. So, and, and I did not, as I said on other studcasts uh, that we've already done, I didn't even have a chance to find out what shape Gulf Coast was in before I bought it. You know, the, the only records, they only had records for the last two years. And uh, that certainly didn't tell me a whole lot about what shape the territory was in. So at the time of closing, they were only running a couple of towns a week. And I didn't happen to be visiting the territory on nights when those towns were even running. So, in fact, the only two cities still operating in that territory were on the eastern side of the territory. And they were Dothan and New Brockton, Alabama. And that in itself, to me, was a bad sign. I mean, if business is bad enough, only two cities run each week. Mm -hmm. The territory is probably more dead than just down. <laughs> so right, right. Not a good thing. Yeah. So Dothan, obviously, and you're well aware of this, Dave, having been in that area and lived there for many years, it always had a reputation for being a pretty good wrestling city, even as far back as my dad's day in the 1950s. Uh, New Brockton was a little small town close to Dothan, obviously a small little spot show. So Dothan ran on Friday nights and a little smaller city of New Brockton ran on Saturday. Now, as far as wrestlers working in the territory, uh, they couldn't be very good if they were willing to work only two days a week. You know, most wrestlers needed to work at least six nights a week mm -hmm. to be happy. 
They wanted to work six nights a week. They'd work seven. Uh, I've been in territories in which you work, which you work 10 times a week mm -hmm. in Australia. So, you know, I mean, guys really love to work. And obviously, when you worked, you made money. <laughs> did you, so, wait, in Australia, so, did, did you do like an afternoon matinee show? What is that? D 10 times a week. 10 times a week because you had TVs in Australia and they were all live TVs. So you did, uh, they had three TVs in, in, uh, in Brisbane alone okay. uh, in one day. And those TVs went all across the country of Australia, okay. or the continent, the entire okay. continent got it. Yeah. And then Sydney had its live TV. Melbourne had a live TV and Brisbane had three a week. Okay. That... Sometimes you've got three TVs. <laughs> you got seven nights you worked and you got the three TVs. You got ten. I've wrestled as many as twelve times a week. See, now tell now explaining that versus this kind of kind of sets it miles apart. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. All right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you yeah. know, it, it was truly different. I mean, what's going on down there in uh, in Pensacola at that time frame yeah. was not a good deal, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so, you know, uh, the guys, the guys weren't getting, uh, getting to work six nights a week. And, uh, and so I got a list of wrestlers that were working there when it closed. And I got those from my, my dad's longtime friend and, uh, my family's friend. Uh, I got it from Rocky McGuire and mm -hmm. he had a son named Jimmy McGuire. That's going to, that's a big time referee, going to be a big time referee for Southeastern down there yeah. too. Yeah. So Rocky McGuire was from Dyersburg, Tennessee, happened to be the town that me and my brother were both born in. And uh, Rocky was kind of in charge of the eastern side of that Gulf Coast territory. And he was the guy that took me around to a couple of TV stations and a couple of few of the buildings so that I could meet some of the station people and the buildings people before I bought the territory. But I didn't get to see the actual crowds. So his list of wrestlers for me, when I asked him who's here, man, was pretty short. You know, Ricky Fields was one of them. He was the son of the owner, Lee Fields. And uh, Ricky had a partner named Terry Latham. I'd never seen either one of those guys work. But I found out by asking around that they were pretty darn good workers and uh, that they'd been there for quite a while. That's not necessarily a good sign because wrestlers wear out when they're there for too long. Uh, I was also familiar with the next two names that Rocky gave me, Eddie Sullivan and Rip Tyler. And those boys I did know. And, uh, and I knew they were pretty good, but they'd also been there for some for years. Uh, the next one on his list was Tarzan Baxter, the mass wrestling pro, uh, who was a, in a, a law officer. In, in the Dothan area, and a very good wrestler, man. In fact, he and Dick Dunn, uh, they also, who lived in that same area, they were my Southeastern Tag Team Champions. They were called the Superstars for me in 1975 down there, in, up there in Knoxville. So they were the team, I mean, remember, that busted Ron Wright's eyes the hard way. And so they had two, both been there for many years, but they were good. One more good local worker was a small guy named Greg Peterson. And again, he lived there, and but he'd been overused and he'd been there for a long time. So there I was handed only seven names. And most of them had been overused and been there for years. And uh, it was not good news for me, man. Well, I can understand that. And having been in Dothan, from Dothan and been in Dothan all my life and a fan of wrestling and watching these guys, I knew all these guys. I mean, you're kind of right. I think you're right about your assessment of every one of them. So 
where did you look next? So you had these as your Dothan pool, right? And yeah. So yeah, I had these that were already there. So right. luckily I, I was already making some deals with some of the guys that I really wanted to take South with me anyway. And the good thing about these guys that uh, I just mentioned, they were probably, as you said, they were available. They were, they would be there part-time if I needed them. And they would probably wrestle for me anytime that I needed them down there. So let me give you a short list, uh, you know, uh, to, to, that we we're going to open up the territory with other than what uh, we just talked about. Uh, and the territory is going to open in March of 1978. Bob Armstrong's on that list. Tony Charles is going. David Schultz is going. Roy Lee Welch was going. Mike Stallings going. And myself. So that's a pretty good start, you know. And uh, we got those other potential guys to add. I had a tag combination, already said, a guy named Roger Smith and another guy named Randy Colley who were going in as the assassins. And these two guys were exactly the same size. And with their outfits on, it was impossible to tell which was which. Uh, Roger Smith was young, uh, very quick, and light on his feet for his size. I called him the dancing bear, man, because when he had on his black assassin outfit, he just kind of floated across the ring. And he was <laughs> 300 pounds. You know, it's like, wow, this guy looks like a bear. <laughs> 300 pounds. Okay. Yeah, 300 yeah. pounder, man. And yeah. I mean, he, you know, he, he, he literally floated. Uh, it was like, wow, how could he, he was phenomenal. And Randy Colley, that's the dog for Ron Wright. It's on the current USA TV shows that are on Southeastern Rewind. And he's just about the same size exactly as what uh, Roger Smith was. So they, all I needed for them was a manager. And I hadn't picked him yet. Mm. All right. So it sounds like a pretty diversified bunch. Some, you got some older talent, some younger talent. So were you happy with that group or was, was there more to come? Well, uh, oh yeah, there's more to come, you know, uh, and and yeah, I was happy with the group. I mean, I look at the the names I just talked about, especially the guys that are coming out of Knoxville. Uh, there's a group; uh, they're all great, legitimate wrestlers, like all the first six I mentioned. And, uh, and then you got two young and hungry assassins, and uh, you got two established veterans like Bob Armstrong and Tony Charles that kind of keep guys headed in the right direction, and the rest included me. We're all less than 30 years old. So, you know, it's a, you, we got a lot of younger guys, but geez, they all got talent. So more importantly, the younger guys were going to be happy, man. What was really important is, is I wanted to have a younger crew, quite a bit of them, because they're going to be happy. We're making less money than if they're big stars. And because I had been closely watching all, every one of them that I picked, I knew they were all going to work a lot harder in the ring, man, than other guys would because they were the type of guys that wanted to prove that they're going to be stars. Wow, they, you know, and uh, and I knew that that meant a lot for me. So that was going to be a key, man. To, to what I needed to get things off the ground down there in southeastern Pensacola, uh, especially since the territory was already down or maybe even close to dead. <laughs> you may be right, but listen, that speaks to the passion that you're, you're talking about. These guys who who they feel if I'm higher up and I'm better on the card, I'd rather do that than make more money. So that's, that's, that's commitment. 
I tell you what, I've learned a lot about these today's trainings, Ron, especially since we started talking about southeastern Pensacola. I've already learned a lot, and I'm sure that many of those listening have as well, about what it's going to take to build a wrestling company from the ground up. This is really good stuff. All right, so where to next? Well, we're going to be riding north, man, to back to that, that established territory, man. We're going to talk about the territory changing card that's going to take place in southeastern Knoxville. Uh, that uh, that's going to lead us to the next level of success there, man, uh, that the hair versus hair deal. And, uh, you know, it, it's really about to explode business there in Knoxville. So we're going to talk about the January 27th, 22nd, 1978 Coliseum card in Knoxville. And it's a great one. And the last match of the card is, like I said, going to pop the territory. All right. So I am ready, and I'm sure our listeners are also, Ron. So let's let's get this card out there and find out what's going to happen after the hair versus hair match from last week. Well, first of all, because we're not bringing back, uh, you know, in any extra talent, uh, we are still kind of we're we're bringing a few extra guys in every week now to add to the card because we're doing a second show for actually southeastern Pensacola. So, uh, you know, we've got some extra bodies in there, and we're this card is going to have eight matches on it again, which is uh, uh, that's the this will be the second time that's happened uh, two weeks in a row that we've had eight matches on a Knoxville card. And the opening match featured two new Southeastern wrestlers, uh, fans had never seen either of them, one of which was going to Pensacola, Randy Colley, was going to be uh, going there as a part of that assassin team. And, uh, and we're going to be, and he's facing off against another heel who I was getting my very first look at, the Continental lover, Eddie Mansfield. Second match was a great baby face battle, Tony Charles versus Mike Stallings, and both of them were going to Pensacola. Third match could have been a main event in almost any city in the world, Jimmy Golden against another heel that's headed for stardom, man, uh, David Schultz. He's going to Pensacola. Uh, Thunderbolt Patterson, wrestle newcomer James, John Ruffin. Uh, Joe LaDuke took on the other future tag assassin headed for Pensacola, Roger Smith. Uh, he did not wear a mask in Knoxville because he, you know, he didn't need to. Uh, but uh, he's going to be called the hangman in Knoxville until he leaves. And he'll be called the assassin with a mask on once he gets to Pensacola. Roy Lee Wilkes was also going to Pensacola. He's on this card and he's moving up on it. Uh, he's he's going to face Ronnie Garvin for the first time, and this is going to turn into a major angle. It's going to lead to one of the greatest matches in Southeastern history six weeks from now. Uh, Southeastern Championship match on this card had the Mongolian Stomper managed by Gorgeous George Jr. defending against uh, Ricky Gibson, great wrestler. The main event was the Southeastern Tag Championship match with the champions Don Carson and the Assassin managed by Ron Wright defending the belts against a bald-headed Rob and his mystery partner. Okay, so that that card is going to be very difficult to beat. So what happened on TV? Saturday, January 21st, 1978, the day before this event, I bet it opened with, I'm, I'm thinking about the still shot, a really cool still shot of the hair versus hair match from the last stud cast, right? Wow, man, you you were going to be a bit of a booker here, Dave. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, 
you know, and after Les Pug, this entire card, that was exactly the subject matter of that still shot that was on the set behind Les. But unlike usual, there was nobody with him when we opened the show. Just him and the still shot behind him. And you can kind of imagine the fans at home who hadn't been at the Coliseum six days earlier uh, and their reaction to the shot that was on that big set behind him. It was raw, unconscious, Ron Wright holding him, kind of holding him upright against his legs. And Don Carson had the clippers in his hand and was running the clippers through Ron's, Rob's hair. Now, every person out there watching TV that was not there at the match, they had to think automatically, well, Ron, Robert lost the hair match to Ron Wright. So Les began basically by saying, uh, you know, uh, Southeastern Wrestling had experienced something uh, Saturday, the Sunday before, uh, beyond its control. And uh, something awful happened. And the photo behind me, he said, you know, does not show the proper result of the hair versus hair uh, match last Sunday. Uh, he said, Les says, you know, actually the man that won the match lost his hair. And we're going to show you exactly how it happened. And then he invited out Rob to join him at the set. So the studio audience they, if they were at the matches the Sunday before, they had seen him partially bald because it, part of it happened while he was in the ring there. But uh, they got to see him totally bald. And, uh, you know, as he walked toward the set, the studio, they kind of gasped like, wow, <laughs> you know, because no one had seen him since he was carried into the dressing room, even mm -hmm. if they were at the event yeah. and his head wasn't shaved at that point right so there was a shocking change in his appearance to be blunt about it wow. so uh so les kind of began and with a heartfelt man extremely sincere apology to rob not just from him but from the southeastern officials as well as well you know about what had happened to him six days earlier so rob was very quiet and he was obviously upset and Les told him that the Southeastern officials wanted to give him the first opportunity to show what had happened and tell his side of the story of how it felt before anyone else got to see this and talk over this video, which is going to be a classic piece for Southeastern fans. And Rob kind of nodded his head. Uh, Les asked the director to back up the video to where Rob had just beaten Ron Wright in the middle of the ring. And Les asked Rob if he wanted to take it from there. And Rob was, Rob was, he was pretty upset about all this. <clears throat> and pretty darn emotional. And he mm -hmm. had been, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Rob bad. was a good looking guy and he had beautiful hair, as we mentioned <laughs> earlier. And now he's, he's bald, <laughs> you know. So, you know, you, you got to kind of put yourself in his place. So when Les asked him if he wanted, if he could take it from there, Rob said, uh, uh, no, Les, uh, can, can you do this for me? You know, he says, I don't think I can, you know, so the tape was already rolling. So what's Les going to do? You know, he can't say no, you know, so Les kind of began to describe what was happening in the tape. And, and it started with, uh, uh, you know, and uh, so it started with what was happening on everybody's TV set. And uh, Ron Wright was had had lost and he was refusing to let the barber cut his hair mm -hmm. and uh, showed Ron knock uh, Ron Wright down and uh, and two referees were holding him there and Rob took the barber's clippers away from him. 
And the barber was horrified. <laughs> he just, he ran. He ran from the ring and uh, left Rob holding the clippers. Uh -oh. So uh, the two referees, uh, they knew that you know, Ron Wright's got to have his hair cut. He's lost the match. So they, so they grab a hold of his legs, and Rob starts uh, doing the job. He starts cutting the hair. Mm -hmm. and, and in fact, Dave, I found this photo, man, from this match, this actual match, just a couple of days ago. Are you I'm kidding? Sure that's the picture that explains each episode that we use for Super Studcast. Right. Uh, for, for regular Studcast, and uh, since this one is uh, number 234, it shows Rob standing over Ron Wright. He's got the clippers in his hand. He's starting to cut Ron Wright's hair, and uh, wow, it's a great shot. It I can mean, only be from that match. It's on, yeah, it's wow. that match. It's where Rob has won. It's where he takes the clippers from yeah. the barber, and he's starting to, to, to work on Ron Wright's hair, okay. what little so, hair Ron had. First of all, I can't and, believe you even found it, but, I, okay, that yeah, is— Yeah, I mean, it just uh, it just came out, of, you know, boom, I'm looking, and bang, I see this photo, yeah. and I was like, that, this is the match. This okay. is it. And did you also you know, just say so that I've got this shot and it, and then, you know, and if fans haven't had a chance to see this picture, even right. if they're listening to the show right now, uh, they might want to go later to the website, tnstud.com, click right. on studcast got and it. find yeah. episode number 234 and check out that photo. So that's it's pretty the, amazing. That's man. the official picture from this studcast. That's the official picture got for okay. studcast yeah. number 234. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so, so Rob was avoiding watching much of what was happening on the screen, and, and he was totally silent. So Les kind of continued describing the action, and he, he talked about Larry Cheatham. Uh, this is at the point where Rob's about to shave the, uh, you know, about to cut the rest of Ron Wright's hair off. And uh, Larry Cheatham, the guy that Rob had beaten a month, uh, two months earlier on Thanksgiving night in a hair match, and he had lost his hair to Rob and been shaved. Uh, he shows up and uh, he comes in the ring behind Rob. Rob never sees him. He's so intent on getting Ron Wright's hair. And Cheatham brings a chair in the ring with him and he hits Rob in the head with it and knocks him out. And uh, so Les continues. He's watching the videos at Rose and Thunderbolt Patterson comes down to the ring. He sees this and he's like, whoa, wait a minute. He's already hit Rob with a chair. What's going on? And then Don Carson and the assassin suddenly showed up down at the ring and Patterson's getting in there to go after Cheatham and, <laughs> uh, and they stop him. They don't let him get to cheat him. And uh, so none of these three guys, neither Patterson nor nor the Carson or the assassin are supposed to be involved in the match. And mm -hmm. certainly not Larry Cheatham. Yeah. Nobody expected to see. He wasn't even on the card. <laughs> so in the video, the Coliseum crowd just went silent, man, you know, because obviously they see that, whoa, this is turning into something off. So it'd be bad here, right? You know, so... So, but those people in the studio, and a lot of them, which had been there six days earlier and seen it, they didn't stay silent. They knew what was coming. They knew what was going to happen, and they started to boo even before it happened, right? So uh, Rob was still sitting there, head down, you know, bent over, uh, uh, you know, uh, and uh, he was kind of overwhelmed by all this and what he was seeing. and. <laughs> You know, and, and you, you could tell in the shots they got of his face, he was about to break down. 
<laughs> you know, it's like, wow. this is a little too much, man. <laughs> you know, the, so Les saw it too. And he saw how it was affecting him. And he asked Rob, he says, uh, hey, uh, do you want us to stop this, Rob? You know, we can, we can do that. And Rob says, no, I want everyone to see it, all of it. Hmm. And, uh, you know, so Les continued. Video continued on, and Les continued describing the action. And he talked about, he showed, uh, you know, it was showing Larry Cheatham. Had, uh, he left uh, and went over to help the assassin, you know, uh, keep Thunderbolt under control. And then Don Carson left and came over and picked up the barber clippers. They were now laying on the mat beside Rob, who's unconscious. <laughs> and then Ron Wright. He kicked the referees off of him, and he grabbed them and threw them both over the top rope out of the ring. And at that point in the video, the Coliseum crowd uh, came to life. Uh. They saw it now, you know, they what's going to happen. And they began to boo, man, in that building, and it was packed. That building was really packed. And uh, so and they, they began to boo, and Carson grabbed up the Clippers, and then, uh, and then Ron Wright uh, – grabbed Rob up, who was totally out, and laid his back against his knees and held him up so that Don Carson could cut off the man's hair that had won the match. And, uh, and uh, that was it. Some fans started to come to the ring, and uh, some of them tried to get into the ring. Uh, and you could see it <laughs> in the video. And the assassin and Cheatham were kicking them off the apron of the ring as they got there, you know, wow. and Carson just continued cutting Rob's hair. You know, so, uh, so, and and then as the video progressed, uh, all of a sudden the police started coming to the ring because they see that, wow, this is going to be get out of hand. And uh, they started pulling fans from the rape apron, you know, and the assassin and cheating were kicking them in the face and whatever they had to do to keep them out of the ring. And, uh, and it was, it was turning into a full fledged riot, man. So wow. Carson, had gotten most of Rob's haircut at this point. And he and Wright kind of think, uh, realized how dangerous things were getting. <laughs> and boy, they, they dropped the scissors. They dropped the, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the, the clippers and, uh, and they headed like assassin and Cheatham for the floor, man. The cops surrounded them and they left the ring and it showed a big mob of people go with them and they fought their way toward the dressing room. God. Okay, so that's got to be the wildest video ever shot by Southeastern, Rod. So what happens now? Well, the video stopped, obviously, and uh, Rob, at this point, was fighting back tears, man, you know. And uh, so Les took over again, and he continued to tell the story because it wasn't, wasn't over yet, you know. And, uh, and, he, and he said, Rob, I, I went with you to the dressing room. And he goes, and then I remember being there and we got you back conscious and we set you down and kind of got you back to normal. And, uh, and he says, I, I don't know if you even remember, Rob, but the southeastern officials came in, three of them, and they apologized. He said, right there, I heard it all. And then they, they ask you. You know, because of what had happened, what you wanted to, to do, what you wanted them to do about what just happened to you, you know. And Les, Les told him, he says, I don't know, Rob, if you remember it, but he says they offered to fire them and to get rid of all of them. Wow. 
and uh, you know, and and Rob stopped Les there, and he said he said something like, you know, uh, I, I can take it from here, Les, and and he thanked Les for helping. He said, thank you, Les, for helping me get through this, and you know, and he says, and and he says, I don't want the southeastern officials to do anything but give me the partner of my choice and another tag championship match. And he says, from here on, uh, I, I want the right to do anything that me and my uh, my partner that I pick are, are capable of doing to those asses that did this to me. <laughs> you know, and he says, mm -hmm. that's all I want. He said, if Southeastern will do that, without a doubt, there will be new tag champions tomorrow afternoon in the Knoxville Coliseum. Wow. He said, then me and my mystery partner are going to take care of all of it after that. Holy cow. And the studio exploded in cheers, man. They, it had been a very tense few minutes. Uh, so Les told Rob that he was sure Southeastern officials would be more than happy to make that championship match happen and also to allow him to have any partner he wanted for it. You know, and so uh, and he finished by asking Rob if he could come back later for the personality profile. Rob accepted it, and the studio erupted again as Rob left the set. Mm -hmm. It had been an extremely emotional beginning of a show, man. And I'm sure Rob, he wasn't the only guy. He wasn't the only person that had probably tears in their eyes, man. Holy cow. So I've never seen anything like this on a wrestling show before. That is unbelievably strong, really strong way to start the show. So how do you follow that, Ron? Well, actually, Dave, uh, you capture the moment, man, and you ride it. You know, I, I knew that, uh, you know, gosh, this this uh, this is going to uh, this is going to make fans mad. And, it, you know, it's going to be emotional. And so. Man, I rode the moment, man. The, the next faces they saw coming to the ring was Ron Wright, Don Carson, and the assassin, man. It was like throwing gasoline on flame, man. Those three lit that studio on fire. You couldn't hear yourself think during this match. They just went crazy, the crowd. And they didn't take long, the, <laughs> the three of them, to get the match won. And, uh, and during the course of that, and by getting it won quickly, made the crowd even matter. Then they went to the set to do the first interview after the break. And then, obviously, the first interview had all three of them, who at that point might have been the most hated heels in Southeastern history. Uh, they didn't miss the opportunity to drive that dagger deeper, man, in the fans either. They were they were professionals. They had the heat, and they wanted to get more of it. They had a disgusting celebration there uh, in the first part of this interview, uh, congratulating about what they had done, you know. And they began then by asking Ron Wright, turned to the crowd, and he asked them all what they thought about their pretty boy Robert Fuller now that he's bald. I bet that went over really well. Oh, jeez, man. So they all three agreed without a doubt, uh, you know, that Rob's going to have a mystery partner and they had probably, you know, been discussing it. And he said, they all, they all, uh, thought they knew who the upcoming tag championship match was going to be, uh, and who the guy was going to be. And they weren't afraid at all. They said he was going, he would say, they all three said, he's the same wrestler that we've all dealt with for the last 20 years. Hmm. The, the one that's got to be 60 years old now and indefinitely way over the hill, huh. you know, and, and huh. then they just kept going. The one they knew, uh, could guarantee 
uh, they could guarantee that was not going to be able to help a bald-headed Robert <laughs> Fuller. <laughs> they had the crowd so mad, and they were loving every minute of it, minute of it that Carson and the assassin were sitting in chairs, and they got up and held their belts up over their head, taunting the fans in the studio. <laughs> and Ron Wright jumped up, man, and screamed, you know, at the moment, uh, you know, we know exactly what's going to be in that ring tomorrow, who's going to be in there with Robert Fuller, with bald-headed Robert Fuller. It's yeah. his 60-year-old daddy, Buddy Fuller. And we're going <laughs> to hurt that old man bad. Okay. All right. That is a tremendous emotional opening for a TV show, Ron. I can't wait to get back to this. Hey, but uh, look, let's take a break. We're a little past our normal break time, but that's understandable. This is good stuff. Hey, and while we're taking the break, make sure you go to Southeastern Rewind on YouTube. Subscribe, ring the bell to get reminders on when the greatest stories in wrestling are going to be dropped on YouTube. And make sure you tell your friends about Southeastern Rewind. All right, we're going to take a break on this episode number 234, Robbed of His Hair. And we'll be back in a moment right here. Ron Fuller Welch ran some very successful wrestling companies from 1974 until 1988. His biggest venture yet in the sport comes 33 years after his retirement. His wrestling YouTube channel, Southeastern Rewind, is fast becoming one of the most popular sites on YouTube. He's now compiling his TV wrestling shows there from his three major wrestling companies, Southeastern, Continental, and USA Wrestling. If you're an old school wrestling fan, this is where you need to be. Subscribe now on YouTube, Southeastern Rewind. Ring the bell icon and we'll ring your bell every time something new is added to the channel. It's all free and being added to each day. Get on board now as it grows and enjoy hundreds of the best old school TV wrestling shows. All released in the same order they were originally released. Southeastern Rewind is the name and old school wrestling is the game. Start playing today. Subscribe to Southeastern Rewind on YouTube. Hey, welcome back once again. David Summers and the Tennessee Stud, Ron Fuller. Episode number 234. This is a great one. Ron, you have walked us out pretty deep into the weeds on this one. So what's going on in the second TV match? Let's get right back to it. Okay, uh, so Ricky Gibson, man, uh, you know, fans have been, it's been pretty tense, man, the first portion of the show, the first segment, and uh, Ricky kind of gives a little relief to the fans, man. He comes in and, uh, in a live match, and he rocks the studio, man. He wins with this beautiful drop kick off the top rope. And when they showed the instant ray playback, it looked like it took the guy's head off his shoulders. I was like, <laughs> wow, that's unbelievable, man. And so this show is off to a great start. So he interviewed from the set with Les about his match with the Mongolian stopper for the belt championship match the next day again and he was joined also by jimmy golden they're very close friends and jimmy's there with him and jimmy's match the next day is against david schultz who is really really improving at this point he's becoming a darn good wrestler so gorgeous george jr and mongolian stomper uh they're uh, they're going to be uh, defending against uh, gibson they were interviewing from studio b and David Schultz got his first ever Southeastern interview about his match with Jimmy Golden that day on television in uh, 1978, January 21st, I guess it was. First interview ever for the guy that's 
it's famous for the slap heard around the world. So the personality profile was next. And uh, as promised earlier by Les, so when he asked Rob, uh, you know, if he'd come back and be the guest for the profile, obviously it's live. And everyone had seen the video and they knew how Rob lost his hair at this point. So this profile basically focused on who was going to be the mystery partner with Rob the next day. So he and Les kind of discussed Wrights, Carsons, and the Assassin's guests that it was going to be Rob's father, Buddy <laughs> Ford. Mm -hmm. And obviously, Rob wasn't going to reveal who it was, but the mere subject of his losing his hair, and more importantly, the way he lost his hair, man, it was extremely compelling stuff. I mean, these fans were, they were locked into this boy. And uh, so Les brought up the fact that in all the years that he had been in the sport, he had never seen the winner of a hair versus hair match get his own head shaved. Right. Which is, yeah. and, and that, that, that no doubt was the truth. Uh, so, so the way this happened had happened, man, was one of the most uh, heat generating angles we'd ever done. You know, it was going to make the fans have more sympathy for my brother than anything we could have done. I mean, it was very touching. Uh, five minute segment there, that profile, a money making pre personality profile is what I would call it. <laughs> Third match was Roy Lee Welch, and Roy had become a Southeastern fan favorite by this point. Uh, Ronnie Garvin, who, who's going to be wrestling him uh, the day after, uh, joined Les at the set. And, uh, and he, you know, he told a, Ronnie told a great story about himself. Uh, you know, and basically it was a story where he said he was he he was thinking that he was ready for main event stars back when he was about Roy Lee's age and right about Roy Lee Welch's experience level. You know, and he said uh, him asking, uh, he said that he asked Ronnie said he thought he was ready for the big time. And he asked for a match with uh, one of the great stars of the Vachon families, Maurice Vachon in mm. Montreal, Canada. That's mm. where Ronnie was from. That's where the Vachons were, were, were from. Mm -hmm. And Maurice was one of the Vachon brothers. They were the most famous, without a doubt, Canadian wrestlers in wrestling brothers in history. Mm. So he said, he, he, he said it was one of the worst mistakes he ever made. He said that Maurice on purpose hurt him badly and that he was out of the sport out of money and you know and broke for a long time wow. after that match yeah and then he told Les, he says roy lee welch who was up there wrestling he says he, he's already made the same mistake that i made in montreal a long time ago he said he challenged the wrong wrestler he challenged me <laughs> and he says i'm going to give him the same lesson maurice vachon gave me ah. he says i'm going to intentionally hurt this young punk and i'm going to hurt him bad Wow. So Roy got his first Southeastern interview, man, after the match. And, uh, and, and he got him a good win. And uh, Ronnie Garvin was in Studio B to hear it. Roy got stalked first. And then Garvin told the Vashon story over again because Roy didn't hear it. Roy was <laughs> in the ring. And, uh, and what had happened, man, is we were setting the stage for a remarkable match we, weeks later, weeks down the road. And when that match comes, it's going to astound every fan that ever saw it. Uh, and it's going to make an absolute superstar out of Ronnie Garvin. Wow. I mean, that is absolutely amazing, Ron. I have no idea what you're, what you're talking about here. 
but I can't wait to hear th- the full details on this. So what was the what was the last match on this TV? Okay, the last match on the show was Rob, you know, and he was in a single match. Uh, when he went to the ring, uh, Ron Wright, Don Carson, the assassin, and Larry Cheatham, the guy that did hit him with the chair six days earlier, uh, they all went to the set with Les to watch Rob's match. And, uh, and, and they were still celebrating Rob's bald head. You know, and uh, boy, they were just having a ball at the desk, you know. And at, and at the end of the match, Rob put the fuller leg lock on the guy that he was wrestling. And when you put that leg lock on guys, it kind of leaves you laying helpless, man. You're on your back. I mean, you, you're, you're, you're tearing legs up, uh, you know. <laughs> you're, you're, you're ripping something up, uh, but you're, you're helpless yourself. And uh, that's the point they picked, and all four of them went to the ring. And uh, they threw the referee over the top rope, and they began to pound and stomp on Rob. And the studio crowd went nuts, man. Uh, they were screaming for help, and uh, there wasn't a single person in that studio that was sitting down. And then suddenly, an old tall mask wrestler, you know, uh, in street clothes, hit the ring. And the, the body kind of had an extremely familiar look to it, to the fans, no doubt. And uh, and a studio that was already on their feet just exploded. The roof came off that TV studio. And the mascot tore into all four of those wrestlers. And uh, three of them ran immediately out of the studio. But he got his hands on Larry Cheatham. Larry <laughs> Cheatham didn't get away. So the mask guy caught him, uh, going Cheatham going out of the ring, and he full Nelson him, and he let Rob get up on his feet, and get his wits back about him, mm-hmm. and then he turned Cheatham loose face to face with Rob, and Rob tore into him, man, like a hungry bulldog eating a <laughs> T-bone steak. <laughs> he had his hands on one of the main men who had caused the loss of his hair, man. He knocked him down a couple of times with punches, and he put the boots to him. And then he grabbed him up, uh, and he he, he backed off, uh, and Cheatham kind of got to his feet. And when he did, Rob shot in. He put the fuller leg lock on him. Uh, Rob was so mad and so excited, he tore a ligament in Larry Cheatham's leg. You could hear it. (laughs) I could hear it. You know, it was like, whoa. Uh, And the masked man. raised Rob's hand, you know, Rob got up and masked man raised his hand. And that studio crowd was just unbelievable. They were just, nobody was sitting down and they left the ring uh, and they went to studio B. So Ron Wright, Don Carson, the assassin came back to the ring to help cheat him. And he was screaming in pain, (laughs) literally, and Mm -hmm. rolling around the mat. And uh, Ron Wright was the first guy to get to him. And he started motioning Les to come to the ring like, hey, he needs some help, you know. But Les didn't move. (laughs) Les ain't going to the ring. So then the three of them started carrying Cheatham out of the ring, and Les threw it to the commercial break before each interview. So then Les opened up the last interview uh, alone at the set. But pretty quickly, he was joined by Wright and Carson and the assassin. Uh, and then, boy, then all hell broke loose. Pandemon- pandemonium ensued, man. Uh, uh, Wright started screaming, you know, 
for less to get a doctor in an ambulance. That Larry Cheatham's legs broke. Oh, you know, he, yeah. he, he, you know, get him some help. You know, and Carson was screaming over the top of that. That the mask man, everybody just saw. That's Ron Fuller. Everybody knows that. That's Ron <laughs> Fuller. And the assassin was screaming that Ron Fuller's not allowed to be back in Southeastern. He's he lost to lose the lead. He ain't gonna supposed to be here. And Wright's going crazy. He interrupts the assassin. He's screaming, Southeastern wrestling got to do something about this. By God, you know, he says, My champions are definitely not gonna wrestle against Ron Fuller. You know, he wasn't even supposed to be here. He's a lost a loser leave town. And Southeastern's got to do it. It was crazy. I mean, they're, they're all three talking over each other and screaming like crazy. And the studio crowd was going even crazier than they were, man. So Les couldn't stop the three of them from screaming over top of each other. So he finally told the director, director, time's running out to switch over to, uh, to the Studio B. So uh, Rob and the mask guy standing there, and the mask guy's got these initials TS on the forehead of his mask. And so Rob jumped in, man, and he realized the time's running out. And he said, no one was supposed to see my partner for tomorrow until then. And he says, but it don't matter now because nothing's going to stop us from winning those belts tomorrow. <laughs> so Leston had a few seconds left, and he broke in, uh, and he asked the mask man, he says, what's your name? And the masked man said, you can call me the Tennessee stud. <laughs> and the, the stud was born. And, uh, and the next day, uh, he's going to be in the corner of his brother. Well, so how, <laughs> how can these TVs just keep getting better, Ron? What happened the next day, stud, in the Coliseum? Well, Eddie Mansfield beat Randy Colley, uh, Tony Charles, was was uh, just too much, man, for Mike Stallings. But he got a standing ovation from the crowd when he raised Stallings' hands when the referee raised his hand after the match. Guy's a great touch, man. Wow. Building standing up, man, for a babyface match. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Golden got another big win over David Schultz. Uh, Thunderbolt Patterson got a win over John Ruffin. Uh, Joel Duke won his bear hug, won with his bear hug, man, over the hangman, the new hangman. Uh, Roy Lee Welch looked a heck of a lot better than Ronnie Garvin anticipated in his interview. And uh, Roy, Roy won, actually, when Garvin threw him over the top rope and Garvin got disqualified. Mm -hmm. Ricky Gibson. And the next one was on the verge of beating the stomper for the belt. And gorgeous George Jr. reached in for Gibson, and Gibson kicked him in the face. G.G. <laughs> got so mad, he just lost his cool, and he just charged into the rig, started to pummel Gibson uh, and, uh, right in front of the referee, and the stomper started in to help him. And uh, Jimmy Golden was watching, and he came from the back of the building, and he, he kind of saved uh, Ricky and the uh, and uh, Ricky's going to have a manager the next week in his own corner, and that's going to be Jimmy Golden for <laughs> another championship. Yeah, match. okay. So when we got to the main event, uh, and uh, gosh, that thing tore the Coliseum crowd totally up, man. Uh, Ron Wright did everything he could to save his team's belts. But the Tennessee Stud and Robert Fuller, they weren't to be denied, man. Uh, when the three count was given to the assassin, the roof came off that Coliseum. Uh, Ron Wright, uh, standing out there on the floor, he couldn't take it. And uh, as they started to present the belts to him, Ron Wright came in and attacked them. <laughs> started to anyway. He didn't get very far, but when the Carson and the Assassin joined in, 
the crowd did the same thing they'd done the week before. They came to the ring and they grabbed the hold of the stud and Robin. They pulled them right out of the ring. Wow. And uh, then they put them on their shoulders and they carried them back to the big curtain in the back. Uh, something very special was beginning to happen, man, in Southeastern. Okay. This is pretty significant. And you're, I'm wondering if you're going to save this for a later time, maybe. So, but. Uh, all right, so what? A, this is an incredible afternoon that fans had that day. You, you, it had to be a really big house. Oh, well, it was It was right there at that 6,000. Uh, 59, 59, 50, uh, somewhere real close to 6,000. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, it was beginning to be more difficult each week to look at the building and estimate the crowd. You know, it was starting to seem like every week the Coliseum was full. When you went out there and looked, it was just full. I mean, there's no empty seats, you know. Mm -hmm. And these 1978 Southeastern Knoxville crowds, they were rivaling the size of the largest cities and the largest territories in the world. Oh, absolutely. Had to be. All right. So, Ron, we have made it to Learning Tree time. And here is the question. Jeffrey Jameson says, how did you get these ideas that sell out these buildings like this? Where do they come from? Well, that's a great question. I mean, you know, I guess a lot of people probably ask themselves that. And, uh, you know, well, the first thing I'd like to say is, uh, you know, many book bookers out there, man, if, if they were asked this question, these two questions, and, and they were honest about it, they'd probably have to admit that a lot of their ideas come from angles that they saw in other places, stuff that they had seen before, you know, and, uh, Professional wrestling had been around uh, for 70 years when I started wrestling. Uh, there wasn't many things after 70 years that you could do in wrestling that hadn't been done, right? Uh, so, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of things can be thought of and created and figured out in 70 years. So I kind of think a good way to, to answer this one for what, what was the gentleman's name again? Uh, Jameson? Yep. Jameson? Yep. Uh, uh, Mr. Jameson, you know, I, I, I think a good way to explain this is, is to use that hair versus hair match that we talked about here today and on last week's Studcast as an example, okay? So, you know, there had to have been hundreds of hair versus hair matches uh, in 78 years, you know, uh, hundreds of them, no doubt, and almost all of them probably ended exactly the same. You know, there was probably a winner getting his hand raised and a loser getting his head shaved, you know, and, and it was pretty much cut and dried. You know, I mean, the loser got his hair cut and, and the angle was done. Yeah, It was over. Yep. It was finished, right? What everybody so, expected. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but that was the easy way. And, you know, and a good booker, you know, he didn't stop with the easy way. You know, a good booker figured out, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, how to take it to the next level. That that this can't be the end of it. You know, so when Rob and I uh, talking about this, uh, we hit upon this idea. We decided to do something that had probably never ever been done. You know, we decided to have the winner of the of the hair match get screwed and, uh, and be the guy that lost his hair, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, that, that would make what should have been the end of that angle, just the beginning of it. 
Yeah. No? Yeah. Yeah. So it was really simple. You know, I mean, uh, heat was everything in wrestling. And if you had heat on your heels, you were always going to sell out buildings, Mr. Jameson. I mean, that's the secret is you got hot heels. You're going to sell out buildings. And uh, why not do a hair versus hair match that always had been just a single sellout angle, but always a sellout. And then why not add something totally new to it and make it an even hotter thing after the match was over than it ever was before. (laughs) So, so don't settle for what other bookers were happy with. That's what Rob and I were thinking the, uh, you know, we needed to try to think of things that had never been done, take it to where it had never been before. So we had managed to fill the building with this angle. And now, by golly, we managed to do something that's going to fill it a hell of a lot more times now. Wow. And and so Rob, Rob agreed to this. This good-looking, young, 20-something-year-old stud, your brother Rob, said, yeah, go ahead and cut my hair all the way. I mean, shave it. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's a commitment. Yeah, and, and it, without it, that's that, that's a commitment. Without that, there's no angle. This angle doesn't happen at oh, all. Oh, yeah. yeah. If that doesn't happen, <laughs> the angle is over. It's yeah. done, and, yeah. uh, and you wow. move on. But that yeah. is a commitment that uh, guys that really want it want it. Yeah, uh, yeah. They they're willing to make that commitment, and uh, that's what he did. Yeah, well, I mean, that was leave leave your ego at the door. That's what that's about. And uh, what was best for the what was best for the angle for the biz, and and that thing exploded because what happened was exactly the opposite of what everybody knew was going to happen. And uh, to me, that's the genius of it all. So that's that's incredible. I can certainly see why these stud casts are on fire everywhere around the world, Ron. Kind of like Southeastern was even back in the day. All right, listen, this has been a ton of fun. YouTube, Southeastern Rewind is where you'll find everything Ron Fuller Welsh plus Southeastern Continental and USA TV wrestling shows. Don't miss the last USA TV show now on Southeastern Rewind. It's never been seen on YouTube before. USA TV show number 23. Subscribe, ring the bell icon, and you will you will have found the fastest growing old school youtube channel out there period youtube is a big world and this has got it cornered every time something new is added to the channel we'll ring your bell so you'll know it's on there and you can check it out on facebook please do not friend request the stud on his ron fuller welch facebook page you'll be rejected we don't want you to be rejected it's because it has a maximum of five thousand fans and has been full for years now to become friends with the stud on Facebook, go to either his Ron Fuller, the Tennessee stud page or his Ron Fuller Welch author page, like, and follow him there. You automatically become friends that way. All three Facebook pages get the same post, same information. It's on all three and it looks exactly the same everywhere. No matter where you're a friend of the studs and we welcome all new friends from the Tennessee stud on those Facebook pages. And thank you very much on Twitter. It's simple. Look for Ron Fuller Welch. You'll find him on Twitter, find everything on his website, tnstud.com. That's the official home of the Tennessee stud, tnstud.com Studcast, super Studcast, historic videos, photo gallery, his stud store with all kinds of souvenirs, 
autographed photos, tremendous Continental DVD wrestling five packs, T-shirts, Tennessee stud mask, and his on-fire novel, Brutus. You'll find it all at tnstud.com. If you head over there, you can stay a while. There's a ton of pictures to check out, and everything is right there at tnstud.com. So you got a lot to follow up with, Stud. Where do we go next week? Well, geez, David, there's still so much to come, man, from this angle. You know, in Knoxville in 1978, and I think next week's today's training, we need to come home to Knoxville. And we need to take a close look at the educational opportunity for fans in Knoxville, not just uh, Pensacola, but but take advantage of their opportunity to learn more about the inside, behind the closed doors of what was happening and then this hair versus hair angle. And there's something else going to happen uh, real soon that uh, is going to freak them out, too. We're going to find out who's behind Southeastern. So, uh, so. We're gonna we're gonna look uh, also next week at the fifth Knoxville Coliseum show in January of 1978. It includes a World Junior title match between the ever rascable uh, Nelson Royal against the tremendous Tony Charles, and also a special manager next next time for Robert and the Stud. In their first title defense, and another great TV show give you the results of the entire eight matches of the next card and the attendance. And uh, there's a new learning tree question. Uh, this one comes from a lady, and uh, she asked, how did the Tennessee stud dress in the ring compared to Ron Fuller? So thanks for everybody out there listening again today. I hope you all enjoyed it. And uh, please tell your family members and friends about us. And take care of yourselves and others. And may God bless us all. For Ron Fuller in the Great Smoky Mountains, I'm David Summers saying thank you for listening. Find me at davidsummersproductions at gmail.com. This studcast is a David Summers production for Tennessee Stud, LLC. Thanks for joining us today for this historic Studcast. The true story continues next week. So full Nelson your friends and point them in our direction for another ride with the Tennessee Stud. One, two, three. This is David Summers saying so long from the Great Smoky Mountains.